from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 9 through 12. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all these days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. All right, thanks, Trey. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes tonight, and in the program, I noticed it said, Never Enough. Well, that's not the title of my lesson, but we're going to talk about a common destiny, and if you would have known that, you probably wouldn't have come back tonight, because it's a, a theme in pro, uh, Ecclesiastes about death, and that's a common destiny for us all. And uh, I know in the planning of this, there was a lot of prayer put forth. And uh, somehow, probably, this is just providence. That's, that's what we're talking about tonight. But, but Ecclesiastes is a great study. I, from an outreach minister perspective, it's a great book to look at because it's really the way the world thinks in most of the book. It's the way they look at life. It's the way, if you didn't grow up going to church, it's probably the way your life was was made that it was just meaningless and I'll talk about a little bit of my life here in just a minute but in my perspective at that stage but a lot of people look at life as being meaningless no purpose no real energy there for life or passion for anything it's kind of just something to endure and and to go through and that's a little bit of what Solomon goes through is just the boredom of life to a large extent and um, the good news comes at the end so keep coming back and you will hear the good news at the end uh, Solomon reminds me of some people that I think of that are really brilliant in life not everybody is this way but sometimes people are really brilliant and they are always searching for answers and they can't quite find it it's always out there a little bit further and so this is very amazing or in interesting to me how sometimes uh, people who are very smart have that journey and explore that way and of course Solomon being very wise uh, that describes kind of his journey as we look at that in my own life when I look at my own life and my parents and especially my dad uh, it describes kind of I think the way he thought a lot in life you were to be a good person don't do anything bad uh, be kind to other people mind your own business and do your own thing and it goes well and so my parents, actually, I was a third of three kids, and when I was born, they quit take, taking the three of us boys to church because I cried all the time, and so they never took me. They sent me one year to VBS, and I really didn't like that, I can tell you, because I didn't know anything, and I was lost. And so uh, growing up as a teenager, I looked at life a lot that way. You know, my dad was a farmer. He drove a Coke truck and uh, it was just work 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 all the time and there was not a lot about God my dad was a good man again but not a, not conversations about God so as a teenager I didn't believe there was a God and you know to try to find meaning and all of that and in my life I just accepted the fact that okay whenever I get to be old enough I'm going to go to college I'm going to flunk out and I'll be a farmer the rest of my life and that that was that was my vision for life and and there's nothing wrong with farming farming is a great thing but honestly that was I was gonna drive tractors and chase cattle and that was gonna be uh, that was gonna be it for me and uh, God somehow got into my life no I know how he did 
But when God came into my life, it was a transformation, and it was a, a change in purpose. Uh, I could tell you a lot of transitions, some that would probably are, are quite amazing to me looking back on it now. But that was my life. That was going to, I think about what a treadmill to be on without purpose and without focus. And to me, that's kind of what Solomon is dealing with when he looks at, at the book of Ecclesiastes. So we have a common destiny, and, and Solomon, in his brilliance, he says it looks like no matter how you live, whether you live good or bad, we're all going to die. And that's not very exciting, isn't it? Uh, but there's more to come, as, as I say. As we look at life under the sun, and that's a key phrase in the, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's as if you looked only in our life from the sun this way. If you were to just look at the solar system or just at the earth, look at this thing, not, not where God is, and God dwells everywhere, but for the eternal one, looking at it that way. And this idea of under the sun uh, in many other places in the book is really kind of in this life, the, the concept of in this life, this side of, this side of the clouds. And uh, it's a very earthy way to look at life. You know, you eat three meals a day, you get dressed, you go to work, you come home and you sleep, and you get up and you do the next thing. It's a very, uh, just a very today existence, that there's nothing bigger than us. And not really developing a spiritual mindset or even the looking at life that way. And that's kind of, like I say, that's the life that I live. My parents did not talk about God. They did not talk about the Bible. We went to a few funerals. And uh, my first experience dealing with death was on my fifth birthday. My grandpa died. And we were out there at the farm. And an ambulance came and the sirens and the lights and all of that. And in 1963, as a five-year-old... I thought, this is really cool. We haven't had anything like this at the farm in a long time. But my grandpa died in his house with his family and with all of us kind of around being there. And that's changed in, our, in my lifetime, at least. It's changed a lot. And so as we look at death, one of the things that I think has changed you might disagree, but uh, some people I've talked to and some gerontologists and some things you read, we look at death differently. Back in those days, it was natural to die. Growing up on the farm, our dogs, our cats, our horses, our cows, uh, pigs, they all died. It was a part of life. It wasn't a big shocking thing to me as a kid that way, but that was life. I thought that was the end. As I look at it differently now, and as our culture looks at life differently, for a lot of us, we want to live forever, don't we? Ecclesiastes says God's put eternity in our hearts. We want to live forever. So what we do is we buy life insurance. We get really good health insurance. We go to all these doctors. We take all these vitamins. We try to eat right. We try to exercise. And uh, you think maybe you're going to live a hundred in fact, I just had a, an uncle die about a month ago. He, he had turned 100 last May. And that's a long time to live. But I don't know too many people that get past 110. I know they do, and the, I read in the news and that type of thing, but I've not run into too many people. Uh, we have a lady named Mary who comes to church here once in a while. She's in a Bible study on Wednesdays. I think she's 104 right now. So people get old, I realize that, but people don't live to be 200, do they? They don't live forever here on earth. 
So as we think about that, what our culture now says is science has let us down. The doctors have not kept me alive forever. And people think they're going to live that way if they do everything. So our, our very earthly life has kind of changed. This earthy life also is very self-focused. What, what do I get out of it? What's going to matter for me in the long run? And, uh, and what's fair for me? And Ecclesiastes deals a lot of the unfairness. We'll look at that as well. Uh, and also, a very earthy life, this under-the-sun life, is we have very little responsibility to those around us. You just think about yourself. It's very selfish, self-focused. Uh, but we don't have to think about our neighbor unless his cows get in on my property or his dog bites my child. You know, we just kind of do our own little thing and, and not a lot of responsibility and think beyond ourselves. And we end up living life, and it's all defined about pleasure and power and popularity and what kind of position we have. And that's how we pursue life under the sun. Now, if God works in our life and we have God in our thinking, we think a little bit differently about a lot of those things. Maybe power gives us opportunity to do some things. But it's not about for me. It's about for somebody else. And then Ecclesiastes will say death is the end of it all. And uh, death is, is a certainty. In fact, Hebrews says it's a divine appointment. We think of death as something very evil. Death is a divine appointment. It is appointed unto man to die once, and after that, the judgment. 1 Corinthians 15 would say that death doesn't have its sting anymore because we have this victory in Jesus. It has a different perspective for the Christian. Death is not uh, something to be uh, afraid of or feared or uh, despised. It is not the end of life. It is the beginning of eternal life, a life that we talked about, or Randy talked about this morning, about heaven, this heavenly light that we're a part of. And we live this heavenly, eternal life today, but someday we will be in a place where there's no more tears and no more dying and no more sickness and all those kind of things. So Solomon is dealing with it from that perspective. So in chapter 8, he starts dealing with wisdom and how it enriches our life, how it gives us this concept and how it gives us this perspective in life. And it, he asks the question, who is wise? Is it the brilliant person or is it the person who lives a godly life? Proverbs would say the wise man does a number of things. So who is wise? Uh, how do we under the sun define who is wise? But who does, how does Solomon define that? And then he goes on to say, who knows the explanation of things? There's a whole lot of things we can't explain. Only God does that. Only God knows that. And then there's a person's wisdom brightens their face. You know, sometimes your wisdom, you can kind of smile. You might think, I told you so. But your wisdom might also brighten your face and help you look at life in a good way and changes its hard appearance. I think real true godly wisdom, uh, we might have a hard heart against somebody, but real wisdom changes our heart and transforms us that way. So wisdom enriches. It, is, it encourages our life. It changes our life. It gives us another perspective. 
But some people would say, well, it's all about position and power and, and pleasure. And the position and pleasure is what Solomon goes on to say. He says, obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Probably a little different today in our world, but in those days, the king, he did what he wanted to. You couldn't really change the king. He's going to do what he's going to do. And whatever he pleases, he's going to do. And that king, you probably, unless you have a lot of power or uh, whatever, but kings have those kind of positions that they're going to be in charge of. And it is all about that person's pleasure. And that's not real good wisdom, but that's, that's the life we live in. The, the people in politics are going to do kind of what they want to. And you're going to have to follow along with it from Solomon's perspective. The next one is about power. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8 through 9. Well, I'm going to start with verse 4 and read up to 8, 8 through 9. Since the king's word is supreme, who can say to him, What are you doing? Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. And there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? And no one has power over the wind to contain it. So no one has power over the time of their death. And no one is discharged in time of war. So sickness will not release those who practice it. Well, the idea that you don't have power over death. Death is, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty undefeated uh, other than by Jesus. Jesus has destroyed death, but all of us get old and die. And if you look just below the sun and you don't look at what God has said about that, you kind of say, well, what good is there... What use is there living for tomorrow if that's going to be the final destiny? But with God, if he gives us a day, he gives us a purpose. And it's not about our power. It's about the power of God over death. And then he says, And I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun, there is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. Sometimes we have power and we get intoxicated by our own power and we get very thrilled and we try to exercise our power and Jesus talked about those of the Gentiles they love to exercise their power over people and whenever you lord your power over others you might hurt them but ultimately you are going to pay the price for using that power the other thing is is inequity in Ecclesiastes, he's, as he continues in chapter 8, he says, Then too I saw, wicked, saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise. Don't know what that means, but I don't know if that means they went to church or to the synagogue or whatever. But uh, they would receive their praise, but as it turned out, uh, he said this too is meaningless. And then in verse 11, uh, when the sentence of, of, for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who uh, commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God. 
who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, he will not go well with them, and their day will not, uh, days will not be lengthened like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. That's, that's totally unfair. It's inequitable. And he says that too is meaningless. So as we go on this journey and we go through life, a lot of things are meaningless. We think that we think we've found the answer. But until we find God, we are very limited. And earthly wisdom has its limits, as verse 15 through 17 says. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 15, I, So I commended the enjoyment of life. It talks about eating and drinking and being glad. Uh, I applied my mind to knowing wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, but uh, people getting no sleep day or night. I don't know if that describes your life or not, but it might. And then he says, I saw all that God has done. And that's the real key, getting above the sun. When you see what God has done, then you find some answers. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. We can't even figure out what goes on here. But we can, once we know God, everything comes together. Even the wise claim they know. They cannot really comprehend it. Chapter 9, he talks about death is unavoidable. Again, you can't avoid it. You can't run from it. You can't exercise enough. You can't take enough uh, pills. You can't have enough money to have trainers that fix you up, cause you to do that. Death is going to come. It's just a matter of how we deal with that. So in verses 1 through 6, he says, So I reflected on all of this and concluded that the righteousness and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny. That's in verse 2. And I, I know I don't have that on the screen. That's the title. We all share a common destiny destiny the righteous and the wicked the good and the bad the clean and the unclean those who offer sacrifices and those who do not as it is with the good so with the sinful as it is with those who take oaths so with those who are afraid to take them this is the evil in everything and happen that happens under the sun the same destiny overtakes them all the hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they, are, they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Lions were perceived as being very victorious. Dogs were not looked at so highly. And, uh, but a live dog is better off than a dead lion uh, but the truth is verse 6 or verse 5 for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing they have no further reward and even their name is forgotten their love their hate and their jealousy have long since vanished never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun so Solomon, from the under-the-sun thinking, is a lot like I grew up thinking. At the funeral, that was the end. 
it was all over with. We looked back on their life, celebrated their life, but that was it. But with God, we know there's something to look forward to. We know there's something that we can be a part of what God wants. Solomon's conclusion is, well, we should just enjoy today. You know, we should go out and eat. We should drink, be merry. But one of the things he says that is really probably good advice is to enjoy your family. He says, go eat your, uh, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed with white. So uh, he's saying it's okay to get dressed up and always anoint your head with oil. Put on your uh, perfume or whatever. And verse 9, enjoy life with your, your wife. Or some translations will say your spouse. And it uh, makes me think of my dad. My dad's, my dad's thing was always, well, if the only thing you can enjoy in life is eating, so you better slow down and eat. And we were always eating real fast and not really enjoying food. But he was saying that's the only thing you get to enjoy in life is food. And that's kind of sad, isn't it? Uh, but he says enjoy life with your family. Sometimes we get so busy with this under the sun thinking we neglect our families. It was about a month ago we had a marriage retreat. You know, and, and those are things we work on, enjoying our life, our families. He says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. So enjoy your work. You know, best you can do is enjoy your work. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there is neither working nor planning or knowledge of wisdom. And then life is unpredictable. Richard kind of said that a while ago, reading scripture. Don't you feel like life is a little unpredictable? We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And that's God. So we want to be in touch with God. We want to understand this is our Father's world. He is the sovereign one. He is the one in control of everything. So Solomon says in verse 11, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift. Uh, you know, uh, you can be a really good athlete and still die of cancer. So the race doesn't always go to the swift. Or the battle to the strong. Ask David against Goliath. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learn, learned. But time and chance happen to, happen to them all. You know, the same number of people get cancer that are Christians as other people. There's a lot of things that happens to us all. But with God, it gives us a different experience or perspective. So life is unpredictable. In verse 12, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. A fish, a fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken into a snare so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them well I told you uh, life as it, as it has it my perspective in life before I became a Christian changed when I became a Christian I started seeing something beyond the clouds beyond the sun an eternal God 
an all-powerful God, an all-knowing God, an all-loving God, a God of grace, a God of hope. And that changed my life, and it gave me a different perspective in living my life where I wanted to share that with other people. That what God had blessed me with, I wanted to share with other people, and that we could be the light of the world, that we could make a difference that way. So I want to end with looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 20. It really tells us how to live. When we know the God above the sun, when we know the God that created us, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Some of this thinking that uh, Randy's encouraged us and our leaders have encouraged us to do during these crazy times, think about the opportunities God puts in front of you at work, uh, next door, uh, wherever it may be. It'll surprise you. God will give you opportunities to live wisely and make a difference that way. So add to your uh, exploration, and as you go and explore, add God to that. Verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, to debauchery and craziness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with God. Be filled with God's spiritual perspective. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Solomon couldn't do that. We are blessed with the opportunity in Christ to give thanks for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So let me just summarize real quick. Look above the sun. Don't get so hurried in this world that you look you're just worried about what's in the traffic going to work and getting that paycheck and getting back home. Stop and smell the roses. Enjoy the journey. Look above the sun. And then be a seeker of the eternal and the spiritual. Be a seeker of God. Pause and think. Be intentional. And then find your purpose, your eternal purpose in God. That's what really transformed my life is finding a purpose. And then live a grateful, give God the praise. Look at the opportunities. Don't be the negative that, uh, that the Ecclesiastes writer looked at, all the bad things and how hopeless and meaningless it was. Be intentional, be spiritual, and be grateful for what God has done. We're going to sing an invitation song. It's an opportunity for us to uh, kind of encourage one another to live this life of purpose beyond just a meaningless life if you don't know Jesus we want to help you know Jesus we want to help you know him to live for him to live this grateful life and so we're going to sing a song of invitation if you will come as we stand and sing hear this 